Welcome to Stories from the Center of the Universe, the podcast about the human experience. Barkley the Priest, welcome to the Center of the Universe. Thank you, Paul Gilman. <laughs> I am very excited to be here. Um, not only for this opportunity, but because you have been an important part of my life for over 50 years, and I'm glad to share this moment with you. Awesome. I love that, Barkley, and I guess we should mention that I think I've known you my entire life. Except when you were in Germany, yes. Except for the first eight months. Yes. Which I wouldn't have remembered anyway. Exactly. I've certainly known you my entire memory. Exactly. Yeah. You, you lucky man. Yes, absolutely. Well, I <laughs> exactly. mean, a block and a half, or if we went backyard, it was probably exactly. like less than a block. It's bringing back memories. All right, Barkley, I, I didn't know this answer, uh, but where were you born? I was born in Richmond, Virginia, because my grandpa Rand and Amelia said, even though she's going to be a farm baby, she better be born in Richmond and not in Nottaway County. So he said, I will take care of that, my being born there and my private nurse. And so <laughs> I was born in Richmond and then immediately taken to the farm in Burkeville, Virginia. Today, population 467. What was the population back then? I don't know, but we never were in the town, so we were not, we, it was even more rural than that. Yeah. But I did grow up on a dairy farm where my daddy had to milk cows twice a day, so vacations were not something we got to take because he always had to be there to milk the cows. Later on, we added 10,000 chickens. Oh, my gosh. I had one sister. My daddy, of course, was hoping to have a boy to help on the farm. He was hoping to have seven boys, probably. Forget that. (laughs) Forget that. He had two girls. He had one. I'm the one, and as my sister would say, I was always reading books or making speeches on the picnic table, which is true, while Toddy played in the sand pile. I love this woman. She's three years younger than I, and without her, I don't know what I'd do. But we had a rather idyllic childhood. Well, we, hold on. Can we back up? Yes. Who were you giving speeches to? Anyone that would listen. <laughs> and my mother encouraged me to enter these little oration contests at oh. Burkeville Elementary School. So I would do it, and I have been giving speeches ever since <laughs> all my life whether they were meaningful, not always prize-winning. But sometimes she and I would jump on the picnic table and pretend we were in a Broadway show. Now, we really had no idea what Broadway was. But we knew that song like, Take Me to Old Broadway, and we used to kick up. That, you know, it was a big deal for um, kids to come home with us. We were out in the country, but here's what we did have. We had our horses. Mm. My horse was Kip who was fast and wonderful. Toddy's horse was Molly, just a little bit slower. I always teased her that, and she said Molly could be as fast as Kip if she wanted to. But we could ride those horses all the time. My mama used to make us dress up in jodfers that we got from a little farm lady up the road whose granddaughter was very wealthy, and she sent us all the riding attire. And when my mom had the DAR meetings, Toddy and I would have to ride back and forth in front of all the old ladies, dressed up like we were in a horse show. We had on hard hats and things all on the front. We Our horses didn't even have um, shoes. They were out in the pasture anyway. Be- Beaver, hold on. Uh, what? Uh, and by the way, I'm, I'm calling you by one of your And nicknames. you can call me Beaver. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Yeah. DAR's okay. Daughters of the American Revolution. Right. Yeah, got it. And my, oh, Lord, yes. And my, because my, my, Grandma had, my mother had to do that. 
That's another story about, the, oh, I'll have to tell you this. Tell my, my father, the farmer, the dairy farmer and the chicken farmer, it was hot as blazes, kind of hot as today. My mama was having the DAR at her house because that full grandma was so proud that her daughter was a daughter of the DAR and having it up there. It was about as hot as today. And mom said, oh, we have no air conditioning. She said, I don't know what we're going to do with these old ladies. You will not believe this. My daddy, my daddy and I look at each other and shake our heads over this today. My daddy went down into the big broiler houses and got a fan that's probably about four feet by six feet tall with a huge blade while she was gone to get food. And he put it up, blowing it in the living room. Feathers were everywhere. My mother was sobbing tight. We said... Oh, my God, don't let's ever leave it up to Daddy again to do this. He thought he was helping. He was but trying. Anyway, but I, here's what we had to always do. Always go to Sunday school and church, and I'm glad we did. We always did that. If we went, if we were able to go on a vacation anywhere, we had to go there so we could go to church there so we could have perfect attendance pins. Ah. Absolutely okay. very important. All right. Now, speaking of, of that, I'm almost getting to the end of this. I was forced to take piano lessons for 11 years. And you enjoyed every minute of it, the way it you're did. saying it. I could not <laughs> read music. I could hardly read it. I never could play by ear. I really didn't want to do it, but my mom thought it was just wonderful and then made me take organ lessons so I could play the organ for church. Paul Gilman, I played the same prelude every Sunday. It was Finlandia for three years. Finlandia. Instead of picking out hymns that went along with the sermons, I went through and said, oh, that one's got one sharp, one... Pla-. They had nothing to do with them. I could be doing things about um, communion, and it wouldn't even be communion. So I, look, if they wanted me to play, and my daddy said it was my duty, I did. But, but, some, but they were getting Finlandia from But me. they were getting Finlandia every single week. If, um, it's a wonder they don't know that. Let me tell you something fun from the farm. Oh, my God. These are important things. It's probably why I have such a weight problem today. My cousin, John Walrod, who lived up at my grandmother's house, um, said the same thing is we had, number one, we got milk, a gallon of milk from my dad's dairy in the big bulk tank before it went to the Richmond dairy, and it's raw milk. It was not pasteurized. Mm. Oh, I would die today if I drank a glass of pasteurized milk. Toddy and I, when we would go visit our cousins in Blackstone, the city cousins, and Aunt Anne would make us drink it, and Toddy would be looking at me like, <laughs> Anyway, we had that, and wait, we also... Wait, wait, hold on, Barkley. You said city cousins in Blackstone? Yes, we okay. called them the city cousins in Blackstone. They were the, the Rand girls in Blackstone. We had to go spend... They came and spent the night in the country one night in the summer, and we spent... Uh, we spent down there. They were perfectly, oh, oh, I can't tell their bedrooms were perfect. Tati and I had our little country bedrooms, but I think they really liked it here better. But anyway, here's what else we didn't know about. Things Tati and I didn't know about until we got old. Every year when it was time to get silage for the silos, we had to cut all the, farm, the corn that was in the field. And they brought corn over for us, and Toddy and I had to sit there and shuck it and 
Mom would be cutting it off and freezing it. Y'all were doing all of it by hand. But no yes. machinery to help you do that. No. Now, oh, Daddy had the machinery to get it in the for the silo. Right. This was just we were, what we were putting in the freezer for our family. Oh, gotcha. Paul Gilman, we did not know, Toddy and I both, until we got into college, what sweet corn tastes like. We had had nothing, nothing but field corn, and we put sugar and butter on it. And Toddy said, this is wonderful. What is this? <laughs> and then here's the other thing we didn't know. In my street. We never had salad dressing. We would take mayonnaise and ketchup and put it together, and it was kind of like a French dressing. And Toddy said she remembered when she had a date with somebody, with one of Rob's fraternity brothers, actually in Ashland at the Johnson's Restaurant or somewhere from years ago, and they said, what kind of salad dressing would she like? And she looked at him and said, what is that? What is that? <laughs> And he said, just get thousand island. <laughs> and we said, what a wonderful life on the farm. But yeah. it was wonderful. There's one, I got to tell you just two more things. Oh, my Lord. Here's somebody really important in my life. And her name was Liddy. Her real name was Lydia Woodson. And her husband was one of my daddy's milkers. And Liddy, ever since she was a little girl, she came over and she used to stand on and work for my grandma. And she would cook for her, and she was a great cook. She would cook for my grandma in the daytime. While my mother was a school teacher before we were born, she told my daddy he had to get Liddy to cook supper for us at night. And when mom stopped, when we were born, she said, I can't give up Liddy. We had Lydia Woodson coming in our kitchen five nights a week, two pies a night, chocolate chest, I mean, chocolate meringue, lemon chest, homemade rolls and we had butter from is it a wonder that i have a weight problem <laughs> and she would make oh my god fried chicken. we had liddy and we loved her and she would iron our clothes while we were eating and toddy and i would say liddy we've got dates tonight how about these blouses and she'd say bring them on i can't tell you how important she was to us another important thing my daddy decided to build a tennis court on the farm. Like a clay court. It was, uh, well, a dirt court, if you want to know the <laughs> truth. It was a dirt court. He cut it carefully out of the field. He built backstops up. He did it. He got the dimensions. We had to put down lime, and, of course, we'd pray that it wouldn't rain because then we'd have to lime it all over again, and he mm. got the net. And we were just so excited. We were the only people in Nottaway County that could play tennis. It was, like, amazing. Were you good? Of course. <laughs> no, but no. But here's what happened. When they when they did, there was nobody else. I was in, like, in the eighth grade when we went to high school and crew high school. And my cousin Mary lived up at my grandmother's. The football players who were, like, seniors, like that, the... Heroes and the most adorable people on earth never always wanted to play tennis, so they came to my house to play on the dirt court. I would call out Mary and say, Mary, you won't believe this. Ray Barlow is over here. Charles Lee Mason is over here. Johnny Irvin is over here. And she said, I'll get on my bike and be right over. And then we'd sit and watch them. We had so much fun with that. And then eventually my dad blacktopped the court. And we had it. Now it's in ruin because nobody's used it for years and years. But that was so much fun. And I have to say one more thing. It was a great big deal for us to go to Richmond. But my mom... From Burkeville. How long did that from take? From Burkeville. It takes an hour and a half. Ooh. My mom would take 
my three cousins that lived up in my grandma's house in Tatiana. She loved nothing better. Take us to Miller and Roads and Tallhammer's mm-hmm. after Christmas sales and take us to the movies. I remember she was so excited to see A Hard Day's Night by the Beatles. Because y'all had no movie theaters anywhere near you. Well, we had one in Burkeville, Virginia. No, you did not. We did. And of course, and it had all the white people sat downstairs and all the black people sat upstairs. We also had a restaurant in town that had whites only and it had coloreds on the other side. And I was going to tell you that I, li- I lived a totally segregated, even though we had Liddy, whom we adored, and the workers on the farm. I, I never, and I'll say this ahead of time, I never went to elementary school or high school only with college with two black friends. I, I, I had a totally segregated life. So Which imagine is true. A, lot, the, a lot of people your age say yeah, that. Right? Imagine the joy I have with a diverse community now. I mean, seriously. Yeah, sure. yeah, yeah. And it's wonderful. But last thing was, I saw Rob Dupriest. <laughs> and I was still in elementary school, and I was upstairs, and I looked out the window. We were like sixth graders, and his daddy was bringing him and getting permission to see if they could fish in my daddy's pond because. My mother and Rob's mother were classmates at Harrisonburg State Teachers College, mm. which is JMU now. Right. Anyway, and I looked down and saw him, and he had on a little tortoise shell glasses. He, he, he still wears those. Huge. That's why I'm still with him, because he hadn't changed those glasses. <laughs> anyway, I thought, he's about the cutest thing I've ever seen. Okay, then here's what happens. Oh, you want to hear about high school? Let's do it. All right, in high school... But, but, by the way, I tell right, our listeners, ahead. you're going to hear rattling paper. It's because I'm doing C- it. Because you've got some notes. It's, it's all because, good. I, of course, I have notes. My memory is so bad. Okay, high school was great. Oh, my God, we went into eighth grade with the high schoolers, and I'll tell you, it was a great deal. In 1961, in the eighth grade... Somebody came to my daddy and said, one of the producers or whatever, and said, you know, I think you have the best chickens in the state. Your mortality rate, we used to keep the dead ones, the mortality rate is down. The weight, you weigh them, and he said, I think these are winners. They were the best chickens in the state, and I was the state chicken queen. Oh, my wait, wait, Lord. Wait a minute, wait a minute. How were you selected to be the state chicken queen? Because they were the best chickens in the state. But but why were you the queen? Because, okay, because if there were a high school person involved in 4-H, which I really wasn't, (laughs) involved in 4-H, they could get this award. They would award it. So my daddy, being the the honest man that he was, made me go down and squish my little bare feet on those those 10,000 chickens every day, and I worked on Anyway, I won. Now, I wasn't too thrilled about being a state chicken queen when I was in the eighth grade with all these idols and these high school boys that we would die for. Of course, Rob Moon. I went to Richmond to the old John Marshall Hotel, and they took a picture of me with the trope thing that said state chicken queen. (laughs) Do you still have it? No. I have gotten rid of it. It broke, I think. I don't know. I might have it. But anyway... um, I had kind of, I usually was very truthful, but I kind of fudged about having a doctor's appointment to go to Richmond. And I came back the next day, but Lucy Fitzgerald, the librarian, had put the picture of me up 
on the front thing wall when everybody comes in and I walked in and everybody was going, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> Now you talk about, I was a little mortified. But then later on, when I got to college, I took that plaque and put it up on my door. I love being the state chicken queen. And to this day, you're proud of it. I am proud of that. Yeah, as you should I be. I am very proud of that. And I got $100, which was then like winning the lottery tonight. Okay, here's something Rob Dupriest did in the eighth grade. Oh, he decided he liked me in the eighth grade. Oh, my God. How did did you know he liked you? Did he tell you? Yes. He gave me, oh, this is a big deal. He gave me his father's crew high school ring. What? His father, I had a high school ring that was his daddy's. See, you can't get a a high school ring to your junior year. CHS, and I put a little wax in it and we were going steady mm. now you know it's funny i found out after he went to petersburg later and i met one of his girlfriends over there and she said to me did you have that ring of his daddy's <laughs> <laughs> and i said and she said me too and we laughed about it anyway so rob and i were an item and rob my mother was so impressed because rob came up and made pizza for us. Now that means he made, my mother said, what is pizza? We, of course, a farm, we don't know pizza. You had non-pasteurized We milk. had never had yeah. spaghetti until my um, cousin from Florida came up and made spaghetti when I was like 12. I'd never had spaghetti. Um, anyway, what am, I, what am I saying about, oh, Rob got the chef board, I think. He browned up hamburger, put cheese on it, put it in the oven, and he called my mom, and she said, I am so impressed that Mildred's son can do this. Wow. It's wonderful. Okay, now, here's something funny. Mary, my cousin that lived next door to me, and Rob's friend, John Crittenden, that lived next door to him, they were best friends. Mary and I were best friends. We married them. We all grew up and married each other. That's just a little more. But the unthinkable happened at the end of the ninth grade. Rob broke up with me. Mm. And moved to Petersburg. I don't think I knew that. Did he Did he break up with you because he was moving? No. Mm. He broke up with me in the summer before then. I was heartbroken, but I got over it and broke up with him later on twice. <laughs> we had back and forth for a while, or we said we would not have been able to do that. Okay. I still had to play the organ every Sunday. Still played tennis and rose heart. Rode horses, both both of which Rob did. Rob rode horses with me before he ditched me. I played basketball on a pitiful team. But you were you were pretty good. I, well, I was the MVP because it was between Mary Benedict and me, and Mary Benedict voted for me, and I voted for me, and I won by <laughs> one vote. I know that's true. So the so the lesson learned is always vote for always yourself. Always vote for yourself <laughs> if it's close like that. Now, sweet little Mary Benedict, she's probably a. Got a fabulous job somewhere. Anyway, we had cute uniforms with bows on them. Ridiculous. We lost every, almost every game. Then, here's what else I did in high school. I was a lifeguard for blind people at the vacation home for the blind, which is where else? Burkeville, Virginia. Right, sure. And it was a nice pool, and I went there, and I had... Um, it was a great experience. I had so much fun. You, I mean, I'm not trying to be funny here. You but, really had to pay attention because but you, things because could impact them because they couldn't see. I do. You had to be real careful, and they would go off the diving board, and they had ways to do that. And it was, it was, it was really fun, and I got to love them so much. We even had a wedding there, and one of them, 
who was a really dashingly handsome blind man, married a not very attractive woman. They were so in love. And what difference did it make? Yeah, exactly. Nothing. Yeah. It was a great day of celebration. And I, um, that brings tears to my eyes, but I'm going to get over it. i got to get back to my task here at hand. Okay. Um, I was the first president of a student body at, at the SCA at Crew High School. I ran against three boys and only won by three votes. They split the vote. <laughs> and my sister got all the eighth graders to vote for me once again. I try to get win. Okay, all right now. And, here's you, and you voted for yourself too. All right, and here's something. Of course, of course I did. <laughs> of course. Now here's something really important that affected me later in life. I wanted to be the valedictorian of my high school class, and David Hubbard, who was a hugely successful international businessman now, but I wanted to beat David Hubbard. So what did I do to assure that I wouldn't get a B? I decided not to take typing and of course I won I was valedictorian by point zero zero seven points or whatever and needless to say graduated high school and did not know how to type of course there were no computers <laughs> then I thought no big de deeds all right the only last thing then my sister left me a note underneath my pillow when oh. I was a junior and she was in eighth grade and I found it one morning when I was making up my bed because mom I had to make up my bed anyway and there it was and it said Barkley if you would just learn to keep your mouth shut you would avoid most of the problems in your life <laughs> and then she said did you get my message I said I did it and I said I'm gonna try my best and she will say as you can tell, if we go on more, I, I never followed that. Anyway, all right. Are, are we ready to move on to college? Going to college. Where, where, okay, where'd you go to, to college? college Went to college at Randolph-Macon Women's College in Lynchburg, which I love. Now, here's something I have to tell you that I'm not very proud of. I didn't take my work very seriously. As a valedictorian, that's surprising. It does, and I had a great big scholarship. Yes. My mother said to me, now, remember, college is going to be a lot harder. You probably, C's are probably okay. And I thought, woo. Okay, so I thought being president of my class or SGA officer in a lot of secret societies, I even played on my college basketball team, was much more important than academic mm. diligence. And I regret that. And let me tell you, though, I think um, God has good plans I tell, for 38 years, I've been telling college students how to do it, how to use their daytime hours wisely, how not to screw up, how you can be academically successful and still do it all. I was a waitress for four years. Mm. This is why I could, and I always, oh my God, we had to carry 10, 20 china plates. We had china plates that had the Randolph make an emblem on them, and we had chefs in each dorm. Mm. And we would show up and put on our uniforms and carry them out, and then we'd bring out the food. We would eat first. It was bad. And I would always get up, and I always wanted to wait tables in a different dorm than I lived in. Some people like to stay warm, but I made a lot more friends because I lived with these, but I went and fed the others. Yeah, smart. And, and Randolph Macon Women's College has a really, really fabulous American art collection. They had to sell one of their biggest ones to London um, Museum of London. But 
I would get up in the morning and I remember going in the dark, going up there, and there was light all over those America, those painted, those oil paintings. And it was kind of like an ethereal moment. Mm -hmm. I would get up and say, kind of, thank you, God, that I have this job. Nobody else gets to see these in this town. Yeah. And I just thought of that. I didn't mean to tell you that. Okay. All right. Rob and I got together for a brief time freshman year. I believe that's when he... Where, oh, yeah, freshman year. Where was oh, yeah. Rob? Oh, he's, oh, he's, he, he's at... Oh, no, he was at Chowan then. Yeah. Because his mother would not let him go to Randolph Macon or Richmond. He got in those. She said he was not prepared to study, and she was probably right. So he transferred there. But we were together for a while that summer. I remember he had his guitar. He sang with group, and he, I remember his singing, I Got You, Babe, from Sonny and Cher to me. And then I thought, but that didn't last long because then I broke up with him. And then we did. We, we went in, anyway. All right, let me tell you about this, store, this job that I had when I was in college. After my freshman year at college, Camp Pickett, which is now Fort Pickett. Now, which is now Fort Barfoot. Fort what? Barfoot. Yeah. Anyway, I will refer to it as Camp Pickett. Camp Pickett said for the first time they were going to have civilian employees. Um, they were going to have teenagers working on the post. My sister got a job in the... Um, NCO, dining hall, or whatever, doing that. And I had been a lifeguard for the blind people at the cottage. So I went to be the lifeguard at the pool for the 40,000 reservist. <laughs> there were four boy lifeguards and I. One of them was Joe Hoppy, who played football at UVA. It was pretty good. And the other three, we had a wonderful time. It was not a rough assignment, let me tell you this. Oh, we had NFL players that came too, and I got... Like, particularly Baltimore Orioles, they would Colts. come down. Colts. Colts. I mean, yeah, Colts, yeah. not Orioles. They're, I know they're baseball. I would, Willie Richardson, some old one from the, he would be there, and I'd have to throw the ball with him, and then. What were they doing they, down there? They were filming what they did in the summertime. A lot of the um, pro players would come to down Camp Pickett. I got to be in the videos with them, too, and that was great fun. Okay. The next summer, I was going to Europe. Guess what? Broke both of my feet. Broke one. Got ready to go. My grandma had given me $1,000. My daddy had sold some timber. I was getting ready to go with a leg and a cast, and I slipped on the rug and didn't get to go. Mm. I will never forget. We only had one drive-in in the county. It showed one movie for a whole week. I saw the good, bad, and the ugly seven times. <laughs> All my friends took turns trying to take me because they felt so sorry for me, and I thought, oh, dear Lord, I can see Clint Eastwood right now in my dreams. <laughs> anyway, okay, Rob and I get back to those. Rob is down here. We just have a wonderful time at the KA house. I've had a mighty good time at Randolph. Oh, Rob's Mason. a KA, too? Yes. Okay. Rob was a KA before Ted, and we were down there. We, we used to have a great... I mean, we always had a great time, and I still have a great... No, I don't... Not anymore. I don't, I don't try not to go to fraternity houses, Paul Gilman. Um, back then, we only had three places to eat in Ashland. There was a Dairy Queen, not where our Dairy Queen was. And this is 1970 now, when y'all yes, moved Yes, Johnson's Restaurant. Well, this is just before, and Aunt Sarah's on right one. It wasn't much here. Um, and Aunt Sarah's he, wasn't close. Huh? Aunt Sarah's was not no, close. No, Aunt Sarah's wasn't close, but that was closest. Okay. Here's what was something fun. I shouldn't say this either, my mom, but 
when we girls at Randolph-Macon Women's College and at Mary Washington, wherever, when you went to boys' schools, you had to stay in little old ladies' houses and sign in so you wouldn't be doing anything illicit. I mean, well, whatever, immoral. Anyway, but after a certain distance, you didn't have to do it. And Randolph-Macon was past that distance mm. at Randolph-Macon Women's College. So all my friends wanted to come and have dates with kids. We stayed, I remember staying at the Cadillac Motel. <laughs> we were all in there, like, piled into beds. It, we, I don't know, the TV didn't work, but the we The Cadillac thought, Motel's still there? But we said, we are in a motel. <laughs> anyway, well, that, hold, what hold, fun was that? Hold on, why was there a distance? Uh, oh, I guess they like, just figured that maybe you were staying with your family. I don't know, but it was a, like a 90-mile thing. Because huh. um, I'm trying to think what Ham, whether Hamden and Sydney was in it still in it but that didn't apply to me i didn't want to go to him and sit anyway um anyway here is one thing i have to tell about the last thing i'm going to tell about that is one time it was it was snowing like crazy they had said randolph make a woman's college people nobody can go to wnl you can't go to virginia you can't go to him sydney you can't go anywhere else you cannot go out uh, except for you can't, you can leave campus, but nobody could leave campus. You couldn't do anything. The whole campus was closed down. I called Rob after a little breakup and said, Rob, I wish you were up here right now. He left. I believe it was his old Dodge. What kind of car was that? I don't know. And Rob leaves from Ashland and heads on up to Lynchburg. Drives in the snow. In the snow. There were tractor trailers off the road. The police stopped him and said, you really can't go on anymore. We're not letting anybody go on. And he said, I have to. I have an emergency in Lynchburg. I have to get there. I got there. He called. How in the world did he call? No, I guess he had to just drive up because we didn't have any cell phones or anything. And there was a little lady at the switchboards down there. And I told everybody was coming anyway. And she says, she calls on the phone and says, Date for Barclay Farah. <laughs> and everybody's going crazy. They are on, it was the big staircase going down in Main Hall. People are all lined up. Now, if anybody has seen an officer and a gentleman, this was it. Not way to go, Paula, but way to go, Barclay, way to go. Like, if he wasn't the coolest guy in the whole world or the craziest one. But it made a big impression on me. Y'all so, were the entertainment for the So and, and I thought, my Lord, anybody would do that for me is wonderful. All right, I finished. That's enough about college. Um, All right, so after, you yeah, moved to Ashland. We moved to Ashland. We got married. We moved to Ashland. Um, well, where'd y'all get married? Rob was teaching. We got married at home in Berkeley. Okay. Rob was teaching and coaching at Patrick Henry. He was teaching... Oh, he did student teaching at, at Randolph-Macon. That was probably smart, I guess. Anyway, we lived in apartments, and then we rented the little house across from the side of the Piccolos, and there was that house when, lo and behold, this car drove up, and it was Brenda Gilman, whom I'd never met, and in the back seat was this child who was only eight months old. This giant child. <laughs> but child looked like on the back seat. I said, what? How big is he? And from that moment, we had so much fun laughing about that. And, we, and there you were, considerable. I mean, I don't know how you were that tall. We <laughs> had fun. And I'll tell you what, we wanted, we never wanted to leave that neighborhood. 
your mom and dad had bought Mammoth's house, your grandmother's house. Oh, yes. Yes. Before they bought their house. Now, they were down there. We wanted to be in the neighborhood, and I think it was your mom that said, you know that house over on Racecourse Street is for sale, and I kind of like it. And I looked, and I said something to Susan Piccolo, and she said, you know Dad's selling that house. I said, oh, pick, pick owned that house. Pick, well, he just bought it because he wanted to extend his backyard. You know where we had the big oh, games yeah. and stuff? Oh, yeah. He didn't want the house. He just wanted to extend his backyard. <laughs> and bless his heart, he took it off the market that day, told Chip Ray, the realtor, I'm sorry, I can't do it. He sold it to us for what he paid for it. Oh, Pick's a great, he he was said, a great guy. He said, neighbors are much more important than money. And he said, and then he said, move, I know we didn't have, they changed and said we had to put more money down for the down payment. I said, oh my God, I've got my grandma's money that I didn't spend on a European trip. So I got when I broke my feet. I so so that, that worked out? You, that worked, but not quite enough because it was more. So Pick said, we'll give you a second mortgage. Start moving your stuff over there. Pick and Eloise. Now you talk about... What great neighbors. What great neighbors. And we got to be in the same neighborhood with you all and with the Piccolos and with the Dolls. And, and, and you're still there? And I'm still there. 53 I, years later. I know it's still there. But Paul, now we've got to talk to the part where... You all, you and Rob Dahl entered my life, a oh, fabulous neighborhood I've written down here. Kids galore, wiffle ball in our backyard. <laughs> we didn't have grass in my backyard for 15 years. I waited until it was covered and went backwards and counted. It was 15 years before it got a full crop of grass. That's because we were playing everything. All right, grass. and you know what? Y'all know where, where home base was? You just slammed into the side of the house was first base. <laughs> And then into that tree, yep. which is gone. And then another tree, which has gone, probably slammed into that so much. That one keeled over that, finally. That, the big was, sycamore. I think we may have killed that tree. But anyway, it was good. And it was, I mean, like, it was wonderful. It was Paul Gilman, Rob Doe, Rand Priest, Tad Dupriest, Ryan Hopkins. When Ryan, what kind of, um, Peter and Dave didn't really come over and play ball. Not a ton. No, no, they didn't come over and play ball much. Sarah, Rob's sister, tried to come, and she would go, Barkley, they won't let me bet. And I would go, look, uh, uh, let her bet, for goodness sake. And she would get up there, and y'all would just keep on pitching it until she finally hit it, and then she was fine. I can see her in that little smock dress with her mother made with those bare feet. Anyway, um... It was great. Now, whenever you all had a dispute over a call, and I don't understand. I know that there, there are rules of a game, and then there are what you all called all-time rules. <laughs> I can hear you all because there was no air conditioning. The window's wide open. I can hear what you all are doing out there. I'm in the kitchen making up 15 batches of Kool-Aid in a big gallon thing. It was usually red, too. But it ran up our grape. Yeah. And with sugar and stuff, thank God, in those little envelopes. I don't think they even have it anymore. Yeah, it comes in. Anyway, because y'all are out there, and I can hear them, you go, is that an, all, that's not an all-time rule. I mean, obviously, all-time rule is something really important. And you all are so funny. When I said one of the rules was, if Pick were at home from um, work, and y'all hit it over the fence. Pick said, oh, "Just that's fine. Just don't crawl over." The, and y'all never crawled over the fence. Right. But if you hit it out there when Pick was at home, 
it was an out. But if Pick was at work and didn't know it, it was a home run. <laughs> you told me that. Yeah, that's absolutely you told right. Me that. Now, whenever there's a dispute, you don't want to ask Paul Gilman. You don't want to ask Randy Priest or Tad or Ryan. There's only one person honest enough to ask. <laughs> Robbie Dahl. And every single... They say, Rob, who was it? Was he out or was he out? And everything. And every time, Rob would say, sorry, I didn't see it. <laughs> And that would be, and then everybody would come down. Sometimes y'all would play like football or something else, but babe, wiffle ball was the the main thing. We played a lot of basketball too, though. And yeah. ba- later, when we you did basketball, when Rob put down, yeah, Rob put down. It wasn't big enough. It's when you didn't kill yourself when he put that little asphalt down there, because you had to kind of, if you're going to make a shot, you had to step off of the asphalt to do it. But anyway, that little patch is the reason Rob, Rand, Tad, and I all played high school basketball. Because y'all practiced in dribble, Ab- and you did ab- that absolutely. Well, outstanding. There is something else that you did at night. What did you all do? Ghost, in the, ghost in the graveyard. Ghost in the graveyard. The best now, how did that work? There was a, a ghost, and then you had to make one circle around your your yard, around I- the house. And not be caught by the ghost. Oh, okay. Anyway, I just know, you know I almost always worried somebody was going to slip on wet grass if it was late at night and cut your lip open and stuff like that. Oh. But that never happened, I don't think. No. Y'all, it was always safe. And, I, and Rand said to me, how in the world were y'all able to feed us all those years? How did we have steaks and hamburgers and that stuff? I said, Rand, your grandfather, my dad, he gave us half of... A beef, well, yeah, it was really a cow. But anyway, it was one that wasn't milking too well anymore. And then he did beef later on. Yeah. And he would take it and cut it up. And we had, Rand said, I'm going to have T-bone steaks, sirloins. And he said, we, he said, you're worried about how are we going to pay for this and that and this. And I said, we haven't. I said, well, now that explains it. Also, y'all didn't ever have a wood stove, did you? No, we did. You did? Yep, okay, did. you didn't have a wood stove, Rob, I don't think. Right. Our na- oh, that's right, because the old neighborhood, Jim Cox even went crazy over it. We all went into wood stove mania. Mm-hmm. Oh, we had the dirtiest houses ever bringing <laughs> the wood in. It was fun, but we had to have a wood stove, and my daddy would bring us down a load of wood, too. And yeah. He was good. Poppy was taking care of me from the farm. Okay. Something important happened. Am I going on? Can I finish this? Yeah, please. Okay. In comes something important that I want whoever's listening to this to remember. July 4th, 1976. <laughs> it is. Uh, what is it, Paul Gilman? Well, I mean, you want me to tell the quick story of how? No, you just tell what it is. Well, it was a bicentennial. The parade. bicentennial celebration of yeah. the United States of America. Um, Brenda Gilman and, and Larry and Rob and I were riding out to the Junior Women's Club social thing in late May, and we realized that. The people that were in charge of the um, bicentennial celebration for Ashland were not even going to be in Ashland, and there wasn't going to be one. And I was the bicentennial chairman of the, that department for the Junior Women's Club, and I said, well, why don't we do it? And why don't we get, I said, I'll write the script. Let's get the girls. We'll do it. The men will have a reenactment. We just made this stuff up, and we put this thing together for the 4th of July. We, you all had on, I looked at pictures of y'all the other day. Of course, Paul got stung by me. His eyes were, he can't, you can't see half of his face, but you are, <laughs> you had on your little tricorn hat and your little. Yeah, was I a drummer boy or was I but a flag you, Yes, bear? carrying, a, or y'all were carrying, 
Buffy was carrying a banner. We had a, that's before the parade. Okay, we are we are getting ready to do this. The JCs are going to provide the actors. Your father is John Hancock. Oh, I had no idea. Yeah. Oh, you did not. No. Of course, I made him John Hancock. <laughs> Rob, so I could give Rob a sec. Oh, oh, price. He was the secretary of the Congress, which meant he got to call the colonies' names <laughs> out and to see whether they voted ILA or whatever. Oh, and John Griffin, who was our big neighbor, he was Ben Franklin. He had gout. Anyway, I got costumes from eight different things. May not, I don't know. I don't know how you put all that together. And it was by the 4th of July. Colonial Williamsburg helped me. Some places in North Carolina helped me. They sent costumes, and they said, just make sure they're cleaned when you bring back to us. I got the cleaners to agree to clean everything. Mm. Now, we ordered, Bren probably made stuff for y'all to wear and for us to wear, but I don't know. But we had we had dresses and... We looked legit. We looked, we looked really legit. And it was going to be here, and we were going to have the reenactment of this on the Mary Branch Plaza at Randolph-Macon mm-hmm. College. Some of the Richmond Symphony members came and played. Tom Bass was the narrator... <laughs> I'm having Carlene on it. Tom Carlene announced that Tom Bass was the narrator. The JCs were drinking beer in Peel Hall before, <laughs> which would have alarmed me a little bit, but they were they couldn't have been better. Oh, they man. paraded in and Tom Bass said, and here we are at Liberty Hall or whatever independent what have they called it? Constitutional Hall. No, Constitution, no, it was Independence whatever. Hall. Yeah. Anyway, and we come in and they all filed in and Benjamin Franklin put his big gout leg up on a thing, and Larry stood up behind the thing, and everybody stood in, and then they froze in their places. And then Tom Bass, I had written this, and I also, you won't believe I did this. I was so scared I was going to get sued or something. I called Broadway. I have no idea how I got to Broadway to 1776. I got somebody, and I said, could I use, I love that musical, I said, could I use some of this for my dialogue? And he said, lady, how big, 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 how big is your town, ma'am? And I told him, like, what was Ashland then, 4,000, 3,000? May, maybe five at the he most. He said, though. you do whatever you want with it. I said, thank you so much. So I could use a lot of that. I knew how everybody voted. And then we did that. And lo and behold, then at the end of it, the bell starts chiming 13 times on the top of um, Blackwell. And then we have a parade. All the people in town are marching. We have banners y'all were carrying. The, all the people, the reenactors, the townspeople were dressed up. We walked from Randolph-Macon all the way over to the town hall. Mm. Because do you remember what was going to happen over there? I don't. And this is the main reason I'm going into all this detail. I said... You know, what would be really cool is this, we need to have a time capsule of what happens on this day. And I have no idea who told me this. And this man is long gone. Somebody said to me, you know that man that lives out in Montpelier named Mr. Custerer did um, just finish doing all the archives in Washington, like the, um, you know, Declaration of Independence and all the, and I said, you're kidding. I got it. I hightailed it up there, and I said, can you tell me something? Are you really the person that did that? He said, yes, ma'am. He said, I did. And I said, here is what we want to hastily try to get a time capsule for our little town to be opened 100 years later to see what is there. He said, I'll tell you what I'll do. 
He said, can you raise $400? At that point, at this point, we had, I said, sure. Brent, we were all going throughout town, getting money from, from sponsors all over the town. And I called him and I said, because he said, because that's what I need. He said, I'm going to give you the time capsule that NASA rejected for the spacewalk stuff because it has a scratch on the top of it. Wow. And then afterwards, I had his number. He called me back and said, I'm going to be here on the 4th of July. How about I do something I've never done? How about if I close that time capsule in front of the people of your town? Mm. I, I get so excited thinking about it. Anyway, we're at the town hall, all dressed up there. He has it all set up with the tubes and the things that go, you know, the whatever you have to do to do that. And all day long, this is why, all day long, we are taking, people are taking Polaroid pictures of all of us, of everything that's happening. And that's, those were put in the time capsule. He put a bottle of wine. He put a $50 check. He said from me, he said, that won't be any good, but that doesn't matter. <laughs> Our little boy put his slurpee, somebody put his baseball, little league baseball hat. Anyway, we put directories of all the people's names in town, all the people that were in the, who, like John Hancock was, who everything, all of that was in there. And he did it, and it made that whooshing noise. And he just made me promise one thing. Smart man. He said, I'm only doing this if you promise not to bury this. He said, you have no idea how many of them are lost all over the United States of America. Mm. And I said, we won't. The JCs were going to build a little case for it, but after the bicentennial was over, we all kind of forgot about it. And it languished in the town jail for a while, and I got a little worried. They put it there for safekeeping. We were going to keep it in the town office, but they thought it would be good to make sure, sure it was secure. Years went by. It uh, Probably about before we had our new, before they even thought about building a new town hall, I went over there, and I had called over there, and I said, I need somebody to see if you can please help me find the time capsule. I said, if it's not here, I'm going to be mightily disappointed, whatever. And I went back in the vault with him, and there in the corner was the time capsule, and with the thing I had put on it that says, to be opened and live in ceremony on July the 4th, 100 years from our date, by the people of Ashland. And then they will open it, and they can see who they are. And they'll be, op- I guess your grandchildren, I don't know. I won't be here to see it. Uh, we probably but you know won't what? be here either, probably. But you know, I want to remind everybody, said we don't have a town paper. You're helping me a lot doing this, because I do want to remind people on, in three years, it's going to be 50 years have passed yeah. since then. And our little town has something really special in there. And when they open that up, they're going to think, and I hope that they will plan. I wrote an article about it in the 150th anniversary thing of Ashland. But anyway, that was that's something... Um, well, Barkley, who, who are you passing off responsibility to? To what? To make sure that the ca- capsule is open on July 4th, 2076. Well, right now I'm using you. <laughs> okay. I'm using you. Right. I, it's, it's in the town hall. I have put it in the history, and what I plan to do is uh, do something with the Ashland Museum. Okay. Because I think that's a good lo- a logical place for that to be. I, I agree. Mean, maybe even to put it over there, but I don't know. Okay, we were all involved in the variety show. Oh, and then after the 4th of July, something wonderful happened. Pick, who created this fabulous lawn behind his house, decided 
for you all, the Wiffle Boy players, to cut a diamond out of it. And Rob and Ned the coolest Stout ever. would go and cut it. We'd put basses on it. That day, it would cool. Pick would have John Philip Sousa music. Eloise would bring in hot dogs. We're all out there having beer. And Best. Got, Best day of the year. Best day of the year. After that, we kept on having that. Oh, yeah. And we had so much fun, and Sarah got to bat, and even Dr. Moreland got to bat because he was <laughs> living in our neighborhood. But that was so funny. They had um, the Piccolo's 4th of July was great. Later on, Condé and um, Ron Hopkins had great Super Bowl parties. Mm-hmm. They were the Super Bowl ones. I didn't do them. Anyway, we're all involved in the Rider Show. I want to tell you this. Okay. I was teaching at Hanover Academy and from September 1997 to June 85, and I loved it. I, I was the athletic director. I scheduled games with my little kids. Ed Stevens bought us some soccer uniforms, and we wore them to play. Well, we played sixth grade t- little private schools in Richmond. We wore the soccer teams for basketball, baseball. But It's quite amazing. But anyway, it was fun. That was fun. I tutored high school math kids. Most of our time was spent with the boys going to sports, as you know that. Now, my cooking skills are dismal, and I'm not the best housekeeper. Remember, I had Liddy to cook for me when I was growing up, and then Rob's dad died when Tad was just a baby. So, I mean, missed him so much. So from then on, we had Gran come to our house to spend Christmas with us every other year when she'd go with to Rob's brothers and so and that was great and we loved that and I tried to get things cleaned up I do remember one year we were late trying we we couldn't get everything cleaned up and Grand's room was not done yet and Rob and I were up there and she arrived early and I remember I don't know how this bird got in there but there was a dead bird stuck to the floor beside her bed Rob is saying to the boys, get down there to her. Go meet her in the car. Get her bag and tell her she was trying to come up the stairs. And they went, no, Gran, come here. I mean, we had to scrape that thing up. We don't even know. We never heard it. That, And then she'd say to the boys, later on, Gran was a wonderful cook. She was a home act major, and she could cook and arrange flowers and do everything. And she said, is Mom a good cook? And they went, oh, yes, Gran, she is. And they said, well, she said, well, what are the favorite things? And this is the truth. What are the, not the, nothing I've said is a lie, but I mean, I can hear this right now. What are the favorite things that she makes you? And they said, cheese, toast, and SpaghettiOs. That is what they told my mother. You know, and they, they were they, not. That was their answer. They were that was their the answer, truth. their favorite things. <laughs> my best things that I made. Anyway, that was fun. Now, okay, we were getting, Lord have mercy. Have I gotten to Randolph Macon yet? We have not. Let's let's talk about how you uh, how started. How you got to Randolph Macon? Yeah, Randolph, Randolph Macon College in Asheville, Virginia. Not to be confused with Randolph Macon's uh, women's right. college back in the day. Right. Here is how I got there, and it's very interesting, and I'm very grateful for this. I was at teaching at Hanover Academy. I went into the teachers' lounge to get some coffee and. My sixth grade class was right next to Liz Levins, whose father was Coach Hugh Stevens, Mm -hmm. and her mother was Catherine Stevens, and she taught next to me, and she was in there, and she said, Bart, guess what? Mom is retiring from the bookstore. And Rob, of course, Dupriest had said, you certainly need to get a job over there and get that free tuition, which is wonderful, which Uh, is a big drawing, you know. It's huge. It's a great thing. 
Anyway, I went over on my free period that very day and talked to Catherine and said, Catherine, I'm very, and she was just as cute as could be. I had to interview with Mr. Ball. There were other interviews. She did tell me, she said, you know, the man who interviewed yesterday, Mr. Ball took him out to lunch, but he didn't take you out to lunch. But that's all right, because I got the job. (laughs) I remember Mr. Ball, the only thing I, Mr. Ball was something that I went, I knew nothing about college bookstores, but I went on the weekend to Hamden, Sydney, and Longwood, and went to their stores and asked them all questions about it. And I went back to Mr. Ball when I had an interview, and he said, I said, I've learned a little bit more about it. I went and he said, oh, and did you tell him why you were doing this? And I went, no, sir. And he said, why? And I said, I didn't want them to apply for the job. <laughs> and he went, he was shocked. great by idea, <laughs> good, good thinking or something. And I thought, maybe I've got it. Anyway, I don't, and writing thank you notes really does help. And this, was, this know, was 1985, right. Barkley, right? This is 1985. 1985. Um, yep. I'm 38 years old. Okay, I had three days off before I went to work at Randolph-Macon. School went out, I had three days off, I went to work. And the first, back then, the first year you worked at Randolph-Macon, you didn't get a vacation day. Mm. So I had a long time. But I went to work, and there were no kids there in school in the summer. Very few, there was only um, Buddy Teaster in the snack bar. And anyway, I was really scared about what college kids would be like. Catherine said, come on in. Now, we only keep the store open from 9 to 12, and from 12 to 4.30, we do work in the back because she was the only full-time employee. They were going to hire me to be the only full-time employee. Thank God, now I have my staff, just out of the kindness of the college, to protect the old woman. But anyway... um, I went there, and after that first year, I said, Catherine, we do have to stay open all day because we're missing a lot of customers. So we did. I was always creating my worst thing. Catherine, I'll never forget, she said this to me. As we were walking back from Mr. Ball's office, she said, I'm so glad you got this job. I think, you know, you love Randolph Macon, and I think it'll be good. And then she said, I forgot to ask you one thing. Can you type? And I'm thinking about, oh, no, wouldn't take that class. So scared I was going to get a B. And she said, well, too late now, isn't it? We had to type all the textbook orders just on a regular or manual type. I mean, you won't believe it. Oh, oh, that's why after one summer with my doing it, Catherine agreed to come on part-time and be the textbook manager for the next year. We did something. It was, oh. Uh, I remember something else funny from that day. I had no idea. We had one salesman who came in, a vendor, that summer, and he was just finishing up an order for something. I remember Carl Moses was his name. And I said, I really like that shirt. And he said, you want to order it? And I said, yeah. And I'm looking at Catherine. So we were ordering only 48. And I, she said, how about two, not more smalls, I mean, whatever. And he said, how many extra larges? And I remember after 20 minutes, he said, Barkley, you got to make a decision about these extra larges. He said, you're not going to go far in this industry if it takes you 20 minutes to decide how many XLs to get. Then I knew I had better get on the stick and learn how to do that. But in the meantime, I'm still scared of these college kids because I've only been teaching middle schoolers. And your boys were middle school, maybe starting They were in middle school. school. And Rand was, you know, we're all at St. Christopher's. Tad was, had one more year in Hanover Academy before he went then. Anyway, 
I look outside the door, and there in the trash can outside the door is this, all these pictures. I couldn't believe it. Just tons of pictures in a big trash can, and I looked at them, and they were the pictures from the yearbook, apparently before that they had used, and they didn't want them anymore. And I took them home, and I cut them all up, and I came back, and I put them all over my door in there, in the window in my door, and I didn't have any idea who the kids were. I just knew I was kind of thinking college kids are scary. They came back and went, how did we get on the door? How did we get this? So I made a million new friends that first week. But that was fun. Once again, the Lord provided me with those pictures. Um, later, the pictures went all the way around the old store. We had things all the way around. And reunion classes would bring them in for 20 years and say, they just came in to take their pictures off of the thing in here. That's all gone now. It's too bad, but we can't help that. Your door is but that's just recent stuff you better tell Lindsay and Julia they better get their pictures up there okay the college girls were great and the college guys and I thought in effect that they were my contemporaries I did go there thinking I was a college student (laughs) I had a dream one night about being at like Myrtle Beach or somewhere and it said we had won the wet t-shirt contest i didn't see anybody in that and they said and the randolph macon has won and it's 10 kegs of beer and i swear i woke up and i was thinking oh yay and i thought are you losing your mind you think you are a student because you're 38 but they were i was just 38 but they were so much fun and so wonderful i thought i was back in college again Miss Stevens stayed on, and I said, and then agreed to be part-time text manager, remembering my typing skills. Textbooks were sometimes left in front of the store. We didn't have a delivery from the physical plant. We didn't have that yet. We And we didn't have any space. We just opened boxes on the floor, boxes of sweatshirts. We had no storage. We, not, we Oh, my Lord, and the textbooks, you had to stamp them, the price on it. I can't tell you about the time. No time for a year. Okay, Catherine Stevens says, Barkley, it's time for a change. That's why I'm retiring. You get rid of anything you want to in the store and do what you want to. And the next night, Rob Dupreece was over there moving stuff out with me. There was one piece of fixture that he moved out, put it out, and we said, pick it up. Catherine said, that should have been gone long ago. And we did. It was great fun because, you know, it was like a game to me. I wasn't scared anyway. Um... We didn't have much. I couldn't do the Catherine Hyde. The second year, oh, Lord, we still only had only cash and checks then. My good friend Regina Regina Deegan, if she's listening to this, she'll be proud because she's told mean people. She wrote me five five bad checks and five penalties to pay for the penalties on them and five more of that. And I said, Regina, and now she has a very responsible financial job, and she loves to come in the campus store with her friends and say, Barkley, tell about my past life. But that used to drive me crazy. That drove me crazy. And here's something else drove me crazy. I used to have to sell railroad train tickets to the students. They bought them, and I got rid of that. They bought them in the campus store, what well, we called it the bookstore then, in the bookstore. And I had to call the 800 number, and if it was busy, I'd wait there with a student in my office and give them the. That was, uh, I wasn't bargaining for that. Wasn't crazy about that. Um, I did something the kids were begging. They said, We want champion reverse weave sweatshirts. 
They cost like almost $30 then. And Aunt Catherine said, Barclay, go for it. I've never ordered them. It's too expensive. I ordered them. I ordered a gross, and the next year I ordered three more gross of them. The kids bought them like crazy. But um, then I said, Catherine, I think I want to have a tent out on the field and sell things. And she said, I think that's a wonderful idea, she said. But I've just got to tell you one thing. Once you get the tent, you can never stop using the tent. And here I am 38 years <laughs> later, and the tent's still going up. We've been through many, but she's right. But that was, once you do this, you can never stop. I went to a faculty party for about five years. So excited. It was all the faculty members and the president and, and Liddell and everybody was there, and Rob and I were there, and... Finally, I stopped getting an invitation. Catherine had said she used to like to go to the party. I said, I called up and said, I didn't get an invitation. They said, well, you weren't supposed to have it. <laughs> Cap, they said, Catherine was only invited because Coach Stevens was her husband. <gasps> I thought that I was very important. I went on the Annabelle leave with the faculty member. It lasted five years. That didn't last long. But anyway, I liked that. Um... um one thing I started doing, and I'll finish up with that, something that has come full circle right now. I changed, I dropped the hyphen on Randolph, between Randolph and Macon, when Randolph was over Macon. And I said, it looks silly. And I said, Catherine, it looks bad. And she said, I've been scared to do it. Why don't you do it? So I did it. I put pictures of Coach Stevens wearing one of them, Jeff Burns wearing but And now the marketing has this year said, we're going to drop the hyphen off. And I said, well, you know, we've kind of been doing it for 37 years, but that's all right. Um, anyway, we also leaving out the um, hyphen in RMC. It's just RMC. Hamden, Sydney, and I agreed on that. We just do RMC versus HSC. Yeah. So, but anyway, something we did right, which turned out to be, be great. I used to hug all the players when they went by the tent on the field, and Liddell Payne, our president, said, Barclay, if we had a male bookstore manager, he could never get away with the warm embraces you give these students. And I said, Dr. Payne, must I stop? And he said, you carry on. <laughs> and I never checked with Rusty Martin or Bob Lindgren to see if they still approved of my close encounter with them. But you're still hugging the players. Hugging them, absolutely. Yeah. Hugging and kissing all of my kids. All right, here's something I did, and I cannot mention these students' names because they were so funny. I decided, said, Catherine, why don't we have student employees? She said, well, we thought we were, we were using college money. Maybe we ought not to make kids be responsible for that. Got those in in a heartbeat. One of my first student perks, um, workers, I told you when I wrote my initials BFD <laughs> on the paper, he came back and said, why do you not like this little lady in the business office? And I said, he said, you wrote BFD. And I had to think for a minute what he was talking about. And I said, it's my initials, Barclay Faraday Priest. He, played, he, he, he brought me a sticker like 30 years later that says BFD don't care where your vacation home is or something like that anyway it was just my innocently signing my invoices but yeah, you maybe your initials um I did something we've never done I started getting used books I remember sitting up and calling Missouri book in Nebraska 
and getting used books for our kids, and that saved them a lot of money. Now, here's something that happened, and part of this is unbelievable, and I hope if Paul Davies listens to this, he'll go, <gasps> he'll shudder, my current boss in my door. But anyway, credit cards, I decided we had to get credit cards, so we got credit cards. I decided to add a credit card system, and I sent letters to the parents asking them if they wanted us to keep their credit card numbers on file for their kids to use all year long. I got a great response. I put them on little cards in an open index box that sat on the counter. Paul, can you imagine today? <laughs> Never had a problem. There they are, all of their credit card information sitting right out there. It was a huge success, though, and one of the things that all the kids will come back and they think, ha, 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 I'm the only person that ever said that. They'll go, and my dad's I'm still on file, and I'll go, nope, nope, okay. Oh, the first time, when we first had the credit cards the um, on file, two boys came in and they said, Barkley, we, um, Mom and Dad said we could just use this to get some extra money. I went, oh, no. No, darling, you can't do this. These are for your purchases here. Then I did something else that wasn't very fiscally sound. Again, Paul Davies. I had a black book where I let students who couldn't pay for their books all year long to write down all their debts. And they paid me off every month or when they got a job over the holidays or whatever. And I wrote a thing at the beginning of the book that said if any of them were not paid off, I personally was responsible for them. Um, so... That's not good either. And then one thing, primarily some of them were um, football players, and then Lord knows if something had happened and to me, and the NCAA would have said, good Lord, we got free textbooks, but nothing did. Right. Once again, the foolish woman does something. But anyway, now, 1988, a banner year, the Five Muse asked me to be their advisor. And you'd only been there three years ago. Yes, that point. and I became a sister overnight with alumni status. I can't begin to tell you what the Five Muse over the years have meant to me. From being a part of Rush activities, now it's called recruitment, to chaperone informals, to, oh, my most unforgettable birthday party. They had it for my birthday, and I had a special pizza delivery man but he wasn't a delivery man he was just entertainment rob had to pick me up from that i don't know whether i told him about the stripper or not anyway it was fun to judge air band contests in fraternity houses i always did it with a faculty member you didn't want to go do that with god your staff numbers had to always be careful and champ do y'all remember dickie uh, champ of course champ would be one and like i'd have a professor and we would have great fun doing that i added cokes candy magazines washington post we had a photo developing service and then i added music now this leads me to another story huh that i might get in trouble about anyway <sighs> music that was great we had one student who was Louis Rangel, whose father was doctor, Dr. Rangel, and he told me rather than have, leaving his credit card on file, he's probably smart, he just wanted me to send him a bill every month. So that's what I did. Louis just came in, he had his only little, had his little charge card special request thing, and he did that. Well, 
One time, Lewis came in and said, Barkley, I think we're in big trouble. And I said, what? He said, let me rephrase that. I think you're in big trouble. I said, what? He said, Dad wants to see an itemized list of everything that I spent last month. Well, oh, we had four shipments of CDs coming in. Lewis would just have them, give them out. Anyway, so we sat down. And I said, he said, remember when you told me that how you used to group things under like, uh, a lot of things would be grouped under supplies and something. And he said, didn't you say music was grouped under supplies? And I said, exactly right. So it was supplies. Needless to say, I did not get in trouble with Dr. Jell. He did not let his daughter, who came the next year, have it. She was furious that her father wouldn't <laughs> let her. And guess what? Louis Rangel is one of our trustees today. My Louis, who I almost got in trouble with him. He is. And he just got an award for being the ten, one of the ten most influential energy people up in the Washington area, I think. Okay, here's some other things that happened to me. Taylor Bigley came into my office. Do we want to say his name? I'm only saying it because nobody else only. I can't, I'm not mentioning my student worker's name. He said, Barkley, is it okay if I try on this pair of shorts? And I said, sure, because I used to let him take them out to the bathroom way up front like that. And I was working at my desk, and then I looked down, and his jeans were on the floor. <laughs> and I looked up, and I said, Taylor. And he said, oh, I didn't think you'd mind. <laughs> I said, well, he had his shorts up then. But I said, Taylor, his mother just got a big kick out of this. You know, I said, she said, I guess he just felt comfortable. Anyway, <laughs> and he married one of our fine viewers who was in SGA. Anyway, so I love him. But anyway, that was, he never, never a second thought, is it okay if I try these on? Oh, then he said, how do you think these fit? I mean, and like, that's when I looked, I went, oh, dear Lord. And then, um... Oh, Brian Mac oh, Brian McEntee. I'll only say that because he's the only one too. He comes into my office and said, My mom's gonna call you in a minute. You have to do something for her. And I thought, what is that? She called me and she said Brian had been in an automobile accident the year before and he had had his jaw all sewn together. And she said, and the stitches keep coming out, and she said, I wonder, could you help remove the stitches that are coming out from his mouth. They're sticking out. And I said, well, yes, ma'am, I guess so. So I got a, I got a lab kit, <laughs> and it had big tweezers. And he was right. They were just coming out, and he couldn't do it. Mm. So I did a little oral, yeah, a little oral like surgery in my like, office. Like, like that is what now. is true, because all of these are the duties of a college bookstore manager. Okay. Um, I did fashion shows. Oh, here's something that I started videotaping graduation. I Nobody else is doing that? No. No, not back then. Guess how I videotaped graduation. Mm. Ryan Hopkins took his little video camera, and Ryan sat with me on a stage in front. This is when we had it moved out on front campus. He sat up there on the stage with that, and he did it in... We took them, and I took them off and got somebody to make the copies, and I sold them, and it, I, it was a heck of a lot of trouble. Rob had to sit there and help me. We had to put the equipment up. It went out for a while. One time when Ryan was sick, later on, Hayden 
was a freshman at Hamden Sydney. Ryan had gotten old and Ryan was gone, but he couldn't come. Hayden was up there and Liddell or Rusty Martin or whoever was the president at graduation same made some remark about Hamden Sydney and Hayden went, That's it. Turned it off. He made me think he turned it off. <laughs> I went he said, That's it, Mark, that's it. I'm not I can't do this anymore. Oh, my Lord, That's that hilarious. was it. And you know what? Uh, even though that took revenue away from us, I was so glad when the marketing department said, we think we'll get a professional to videotape it. I mean, you know. They should have been taping it the whole time. They, well, they did. But anyway, um, oh, my Lord, I did skits and plays and programs for Down Rest. Uh, I, I won't tell that. Rand went to Hamden, Sydney. Tad was still at St. Christopher's. Um, I started the ring ceremony, Liddell's, last year, which only gets more complicated. I served as president of the Virginia College Store Association twice and went to state meetings and national meetings. And let me tell you, the only reason I'm telling you this is those bookstore people know how to party. (laughs) Catherine Stevens told me that. She said, I hate to give up my rights to go to the state meetings and the nationals to you, she said, because you will never make better friends or have more fun. So I would take, and Rob would go with me and stay in there. It's great. And I, he would go and the trade show, and I'd give orders, and he'd go off and get them from my, It was great. Plus, we got to go all over the country. It was really, it was really funny. Now, Rob was now singing with the hometown boys, Woody Tucker and Jim Smith, and also with the Hanover Heartthrobs with your mom and Betty Carroll and Audrey and Richie and Sue and George and Dick Workman and whatever. You know, quite, they quite the group. I was in charge of a nine-state meeting for the Southeastern Bookstore meeting. We had a big national meeting, and I had to get the entertainment, and we had the hometown boys were singing state anthems from all nine of the states and they did they practiced them but the mississippi one had a new one and they couldn't even figure out what it was and so when they said mississippi they got up there and they went m-i-s-i-s-s or whatever it's s-i-p-p-i mississippi mississippi and the people from mississippi cheered like banshees and they sent me a thing and said we hate that song we love it it's the old mickey mouse club song sure. y'all know what it is so oh, did yeah. you recognize that of course anyway and then that was before the meeting afterwards the heartthrobs come out for entertainment they were so good everybody's dancing prancing around our little heartthrobs singing the man who is the ceo of the national association of college stores says to me can I pay them to play more? Wow. And I said, why, sure. They might have had to redo a couple of numbers, but they didn't care. I went, there was your month. They were up there just at the, that was at the Marriott. That was pretty, that was pretty much fun. That was good. Okay. That was fun. Okay. We had a great relationship with uh, bookstores and vendors. Um, that was something I loved. Tad loses his best friend at St. Christopher's. He decides to forego Hamden, Sydney, where he was going to go with. Um, did I skip a page? In case your readers are listening, I have my notes here. I had to be prepared for Paul Gilman or else. No. Um, 
They, they Ted decided he was going with Brad Parrish, and his best friend was killed his junior year. And Ted said, "Heck with it, I'm going to Randolph Macon." And he said, "That's what healed him from the loss of his best friend." He said, "The kids at Randolph Macon and his teammates." So he we had a Hamden Sydney sticker and a Randolph Macon one over that. And Ted was playing football and baseball for us. And he was down at the Bennett Boys. He roomed with Carter Gravitt, who is one of the Carbon Leaf singers now. Okay. Carbon Leaf. And he and Carter were poles apart. But they could not, they, and they were not rooming. Carter, and Ted said, Mom, I've never been in a Theta Chi house, and Carter's never been in a KA house. He said, But they came over the night before their last, that's the last time they were together, um, after their freshman year, to tell me what a good time that they had had. And I had. And I remember after Tad, the morning after Tad was killed, I got up and Carter had come in from North Carolina or somewhere, and he was in the dark out there waiting for me to get up. Anyway, and so I get to see him in Carbon Leaf. But anyway, so Tad had, it was, anyway, it was fine. Um, here's what Tad did. My father got Tad this really pitiful old car in it. It was Ted. He, Ted said, "I deserve better." But <laughs> and when Rob's mother stopped driving, she gave him her car, which was better. But he would have it down at Bennett, the farthest dorm away. He would get up, start the car, go take a shower, get in the car, and drive it to Haley Hall, which is about a block and a half. He'd get in it and drive it down. He didn't want to walk that far every day. We were talking about kids who create parking problems. <laughs> I had the one. And I didn't I didn't mind doing the laundry for him, but Rob said he wouldn't go drop it off behind a fraternity house or anything anymore. I remember I lent Tad <clears throat> my Jeep at the beginning of his first football camp and said, whatever you do, don't let anybody else drive it. And I came, whatever Rob was driving, I drove on to campus to come around the bookstore, and I looked, and there is my Jeep, and there are two little blonde girls just <laughs> bopping around, and I know them, and one of them was one of my time you sleep up driving, and they see me, and they know who I am, and they drive, and they keep on driving around, and they finally have to kind of park. I didn't do anything, but I said, tell me, you know. Now, it was, you know, it, anyway, Ted, had great friends. He had great friends. Um, Thad and Duffy, and he pledged KA and had great friends on football and baseball teams. Rand graduated from Hamden, Sydney, but worked over the summer with Tad at St. Christopher's. Both boys at home for the summer, and we had fun with them until July 20th. And so, how's our time going? No, you're fine. You're fine. On July the 20th, I was at work, ran in. A uh, state trooper came with Mr. Ball, my boss, to tell me, and I'll never forget it, made me think about um, uh, Sophie's Choice. When in Sophie's Choice, when she had to pick one child to keep from the Nazis, and she chose the boy and let the little girl go because she thought they would take the boy, whatever. Um, I remember the state trooper came in there, and he said, one of your stories, and I was thinking, is it Rand or is it Ted? And I knew it, and he told me that He'd been killed in a crash, and then Mr. Ball had heard it. Rob's mother was on the phone. She said she'd heard it on TV. I don't know. I was just at work. But anyway, somebody brought me home. Um, your parents were on the way to the beach with Mama when they heard on the radio about Ted, and they came back home to help. 
I was home. Rand was at the crash site with Ted. He was sitting there, and he knew something was wrong because I really haven't talked to him about this other than they got the other kids out, and they never got Ted out while he was there, and then Dick Kemper took him back to camp. They were working at St. Christopher's in the summer camp. And then the hard thing, there were no cell phones or anything. Rob, we didn't know where Rob was. He wasn't at home. That was like one third in the afternoon, and he had gone over to visit my cousin in the hospital. We finally thought about that, and Dick Kemper had to tell him over the phone that yeah. Tad was dead. And so, anyway, it was like, you know, it's, um, it is the worst thing you have to do to lose a child. It is, and, I, and even if it's a 19-year-old child. My sister and Rob's brother came to stay for us for an experience uh, in an extended amount of time. Your mom and dad took us to see to the beach down there after a little bit, just and I remember it's just in a day, is just to try to get away while Eloise Pickle, of course, was organizing my household, doing things you don't want, you know, you don't want to say don't clean up, but they were doing all the things that I needed to do and doing and Brent had somebody watering all the flowers. Um um, but before then, we had the people outside in the funeral home. It was a storm, and I remember them being out lot, being so long out there. And then we had a graveside funeral. And they were like, I have an account of it when Tim Bullis, who just died, one of our friends who wrote for the Style Weekly, and he said he thought there were maybe um, 2,000 people there or more anyway. And ran red to an athlete dying young, which was good. Anyway, it was then all the KAs were out on the front lawn in our ceremony, and all the people from neighbors, friends, Randolph making St. Christopher's, the Ashland Presbyterian Church, the Hamden Sydney coaches who had wanted Ted to come there, they came to our house, the FAMUs and the KAs. It was the hardest thing to return to work because three weeks, I mean, it would have been hard anyway, but three weeks after Ted was killed, all the football players reported back for a football game. Now, they all knew about it. Most of them had been at the funeral, but one boy had been in Europe, I remember, and he came to me, and he went, Barkley, where's Ted? I just went, oh, my God. So anyway, everybody just wanted to hug me, and it was good. It was heartbroken not to see him on the football field or on the diamond in the spring. Now, the football field and the diamond happened to be the same thing, if you remember, yep. about Randolph-Macon when our former, formerly pitiful um, facilities. The football coach Joe Riccio and baseball coach Greg Waters did something unheard of. They retired Tad's jerseys, 93 on the football team and 22 in that, and placed the framed jerseys on display on campus. Um, not many of our people in the Hall of Fame have their jerseys retired, but Tad, they, it, it meant so much to us. They had a dedication to Tad at halftime of a football game. I'll never forget. We were robbing our right there, and the, the tailgate people just emptied. They emptied the tailgate, and they all came in, and the, each football player gave me a red rose. Then at the first baseball game, Greg had one like that, too, and Rob threw out the first pitch, and I remember he was crying. Anyway, I had attention from my fine muse, K.A.'s, the football and baseball players all year long, every day. And I have to say, I, it's hard to single out anybody, but this Jim Baber, who was Ted's big brother in KA, came to my office 
every single day until he graduated the next year. And to the point where I wanted to say, babe, I'm really okay. But I know sometimes <clears throat> I think he had to cut a class. <clears throat> he made it a point before I left for work that I knew that he was there for that. I never forget stuff like that. Also, spanking Jim Manning, one of his baseball players, from the Christmas after Tad was killed, and he lives in Richmond. I don't see Jim Manning very much. Every Christmas, he puts a wreath on Tad's grave. We know when Spanky's, it's the first time, and Rob goes, Spanky's wreath is out there. It's just stuff like that, you know, that really happens. Anyway, Liddell planted a tree. Your mom is helping plant that. St. Christus created a scholarship, a captain's award. They have a stone memorial near Tad's first base. It was, tr it was a real blessing to have Rand live at home with us for six months because Rob and I didn't know. And I can tell you, and people who've lost, oh, anybody know how men and women grieve differently? I had to be talking about Tad all the time. I had to go out to cemetery every day. Uh, they did not have to be talking about Tad. They didn't have to go out to cemetery. It didn't mean that they were grieving any less than I was. I just had to learn that it was different. And I, and I think this was hard for Robin. Maybe this is embarrassing. Maybe he didn't want me to say. But it really hit home with me. I had been there, and I had all those kids every day looking out for me and everybody saying, how's Barkley doing? How's Barkley doing? And finally, Rob said, you know, one day I want, one day somebody will say, how's Rob doing? And, um, and maybe it was Phyllis the Rope, maybe somebody, when he was telling somebody that in a grief group, and I thought, oh my gosh, true, I'm just, you know, you know, it's just, and Rand said, it's really hard being an only child. He's, now, his daughter loves it, I can tell you that, but Rand said, we wondered how we'd make it a year without Ted. Instead of that, we made it 31. Now, Here's what's happened that 1992 to 2023. I'm getting down near to Barkley. the end of my life. Can I can I talk about Tad for a second? Yes, yes. Um, Tad, <clears throat> four years younger than me, uh, five years younger than Rob. So when I was a senior, he was in eighth grade. I my first memories are of Rand and Tad too, um, and and Tad was competitive with us, and we were a lot older than him. So when I was eight, he was four. He was competitive as a little four-year-old running around the backyard. Rob and I joke, but we were mostly serious. The reason, one of the reasons Tad was such a good athlete, I mean, he was very naturally talented at, at any sport he played, but he was playing with older kids to include his brother. And I mean, my dad told me when I was a little kid, play against tougher competition. It will make you better. Tad got to live that. Every each day of the summer. Almost his entire childhood up until he got to high school. He, he was so funny. He was so fun to be around. I loved the fact that he was athletic. We got to share that for a long time. I went to see him after I graduated college just to hang out with him in his <laughs> freshman dorm. He had just moved into the freshman dorm, and I'm like, I'm going to go hang out with Tad for a couple hours. I mean, what 22-year-old what is going to go find an 18-year-old to go hang out with? But Tad was that kind of infectious guy and uh, heartbroken when he when he, he was. He was a fun, he was a hard one to lose because oh. he was so. Uh, oh, and you know, I don't want to think he wasn't necessarily angelic. Lord, remember when Hop <laughs> used to have Hop used to have this refrigerator on his back porch that he put a keg of beer in 
for whenever he had friends over and stuff like that. Talmadge Abbott Dupriest, a.k.a. Tad, I think, would fill up things and take them <laughs> take them out with Ryan watching him. <laughs> take them out to the Hanover Country Club and play golf and drink hops beer. And he, the St. Christopher's boys thought they had died and gone to heaven. They said... Ted lives in a neighborhood where there's this refrigerator. <laughs> Free beer. Anyway, and don't think for a minute Hop didn't. Hop knows some other stories about Ted that he didn't tell me until after he was gone, and we just laughed about him. But Ted, I mean, like, I mean, like, it was. He was, he was quite something. And when he get, oh, yeah. If he, anyway, he, anyway, he had, he, he was happy at Randolph Macon. Randolph Macon had made it, it good for him. Okay. Thank you for saying that about Ted. Okay, in 2006, um, Bentley, one of his best friends at St. Catherine's growing up, decided that he needed to create a Ted Dupriest Foundation. And with the support of all Ted's college, high school, and family friends, Jimmy Babertooth, they did it. And it's evolved over the years from the Ted Dupriest Foundation. Now it's Ted's kids. And they like to give the bulk of their money to... Um, ask the Association for Childhood Cancer, Children with Ch- Childhood Cancer, and nothing would make Ted happier. Ted loved kids. He loved umpiring those little games that the summer that he was killed. One of the sweetest letters that I got was from the mother of somebody in Rockville that said, we couldn't wait when we say, is that the boy coming? Is that the one we love? Is he going to umpire the game? because he took time with the kids and told them what they were doing and gave them another choice. And she said, it was just like when we learned he was gone, she said, it was just, take our boys were so sad. That was nice. Our people were always kind of nice to that. Okay. Rand then gets on, goes to a bookstore meeting where he had lunch with me. I don't know what he was doing. He was selling phones then. And he went to where we having a bookstore meeting and he talked to, my Jansport vendor, and he hired him, and Rand became a Jansport salesman on the college market, all in three three states up here. And then later on, he was champion Under Armour. Then he was Balfour ring rep. But anyway, he was my salesman a lot of things, and I had to make sure, and everybody, we used to all order things together, that I didn't want to make any decisions that would benefit him more. So I'd say, you pick, what do you all think about this? But anyway, Rand and I did have fun. And of course, we always had fun at the bookstore meetings. <laughs> and it was great fun to have him and Rob at the bookstore meeting. But one time, oh, when Rand was at Jansport, I did, Jansport was doing a catalog for our school. And it's wonderful. Now we don't have it. We have online sales. We don't need that. And they really screwed up. And it wasn't done. And it wasn't done right. And I was so mad. I called out there. And then I called and I said, I want to speak to the CEO of Mm -hmm. Jansport. In wherever Jansport, Wisconsin. And I waited and I waited. And I got to talk to him. And I said, I am so distressed about this. This is a company that I have great faith in. I have a catalog. This is all I do. I went blah, blah, blah. And he said, thank you so much for your concern. I called Rand and said, Rand, I did. He said, Mom, you shouldn't have really done that. He said, but I'll tell you what. I just talked to Bonnie in there, and she said, 
your quantity level and your ship date has been moved up with Notre Dame and UCLA. He said everything at the Randolph-Macon College bookstore will be shipped free or whatever it was. It was great. So Rand and I would do, I, I did quite a few programs at national bookstore meetings. Rand and I were doing one, I think, in L.A. We decided let's do a program, and the national people liked it. It was a buyer vendor relationship mm-hmm. how to create good ones and how to avoid bad things we we didn't we just practiced it when we got out there and rob was watching and he said this is going to be the worst thing you've ever done <laughs> we i mean Rand came in he pretended to be a vendor who was like hung over and said oh i'm really sorry but wait a minute i gotta find out when what time i'm supposed to tee off at this thing and he went i don't know that you really like this all the things a vendor wouldn't do then I had the port. I came in and said, oh, my God, as a person, oh, I thought Rob Dove was going to be my salesman today. I'm so sorry. I doubled book, and you'll have to drive 500 miles away. And then I had somebody came in with me. We had this baby that pretended it was crying, and oh, awful things that were happening. And it, it was hilarious. And then at the end, it was. It just worked out. Once again, the Lord helped me and ran. So at the end, we had a Q&A with all the people in the room, about what really to do. And I told about the Jansport thing. Mm. And Rand said, Mom, he did say, Mom, we said we were mom. He said, you know, I said, that's really not your first avenue. You probably should have gone through here and whatsoever. Little did I know that Jansport CEO guy had watched our whole program. He came over at the end. Rand saw him at the end when he said that. He came in and he said, I gotta come, I've got to come and see this. With the, you know, so it was wonderful. We, it was a great hit. We said, Rob Dupree, what do you know? It was good. Thank <laughs> God. It sounds did. like you want Rob to dislike whatever you're doing. Well, I mean, like out. usually I do it. Oh, and I'm doing by customer service or something like that. But it was really funny about doing that. I got to add new positions in the bookstore. It was me and Rebecca Bowles doing textbooks. Terry, Vanessa, and Gabe. We were lucky that our college supported the creation of the staff. We added Vera Bradley till that went dead, Lily Pulitzer till that died, Vineyard Vine, Smithers and Ransom, Nike, Under Armour, Columbia. Anyway, all of that stuff. But I have to leave the college stuff for a moment to tell you about our Ashland Travel Connect. Oh, there's one thing I haven't told. Oh, I think that's on at the end. Okay, never mind. Never mind. It was about my trip with your mother. I'll do that later. Okay. I'm going to tell about my travel companions. First, for over 20 years, we have traveled with Jack and Cheryl Luck to ODAC basketball championships in Salem, to opening basketball tournaments and playoff games in many other states, to playoff football games, and to the 2022 national championship game in Fort Wayne, Indiana. We had hilarious hours of fun. Uh, Cheryl and I are in the back, and we kept reminding them that we were two of the smartest women in Ashland. We said that. Yes. <laughs> I believe we listed about 10 and we included your mother and Audrey and maybe bit no but they were doing native Ashlanders. Yeah, but anyway, we we said but we are the smartest too, Sharon. We said uh oh, they'd go, "Oh dear God, shut up." Anyway, and Sharon and I would sing hymns on the way back and old songs we learned in elementary school. Anyway, we had hilarious hours of fun with Jack and Sharon, including the time had a basketball tournament that I accidentally went into the men's restroom thinking it was the women's restroom. 
one of our Blair's fathers was there. Jack Luck comes in and grabs me and takes me out, and I'm thankful for that forever and ever and ever. And never, whenever I see that a Blair's old father, I think, I almost got gotcha. you. Then the two bravest souls I know, Susan and Woody Tucker, invited us to go to London and Scotland with them. When we arrived in Heathrow, there was a man with a great big sign that said Susan and then Beatrice in huge letters, Tucker. We knew Susan Tucker had everything under control when we get out at Heathrow and there's somebody with a sign for her. Our directress and Woody guided us through all the sights of London and Edinburgh. I can still see Susan and Woody looking at the maps of the tube and maybe bickering a little bit back and forth, but not much, and figuring out where we went wrong and where we needed to go. As if traveling with Rob and me in England and Scotland wasn't difficult enough for them on a um, later trip, the Tuckers next included us, now this I loved, on a cruise down the Rhine River. Mm. Susan and Woody went, well, we had planned on going to um, Normandy and then go back, go to Amsterdam, but uh, since Barclay cannot walk very well at all, we cha- they changed plans to a cruise for us. Susan and Woody went on very demanding walking trips whenever we would dock along the Rhine. Rob had to help me bring up the rear on the guided tour where our tour guide said every time it was for the um, less able and older people and before he could leave he would go, where is Barclay? Where is Barclay? And I would raise my hand and look, let me tell you, those other people were trying to get behind me on that tour thing because whoever whoever said that was an easy thing is somebody that's 19-year-old male and European. Right. Uh, yeah. Anyway, it was just great fun, and then and we loved to get back and enjoy all of the libations on the Viking cruise. Okay. Now, I've got this. I think I'll go back to the college. Let me see. Where do I go back to? I think I, I had to say put this in because this is something really important to me. I will never forget, as anybody will, I'll never forget being on campus on the day of 9-11. I will never forget being in my store, seeing that in the campus. And then we, after, days later, we read, I got to read the first names of the kids. We read all of the, the people that were killed that day at 9-11. Um, that and COVID were things that just rocked us. But I mean, of course, they're not comparable in the devastation, but whatever. Anyway, I had begged for a new store since 1985. We had no floor space, no storage, no office space, no easy way for customers to check out with their purchases. Then around 2008, at a special Randolph-Macon gala at the Jefferson Hotel, Macon Brock announced plans for a new um, campus center, the Brock Commons, and he looked over at me and said, and Barclay will finally get her bookstore, and I was thrilled. We moved everything into five trailers. I don't even know that you all remember this. Mm-mm. They were down to the side of the library going toward the um, freshman village. We had five trailers put together, and we moved in there for two and a half years. And... While we were there, uh, we ran our store from there. We tried. We had to get people over there from the football field. We were trying to do that. We watched our old campus store being torn down. We would watch the um, 
the uh, campus center come down and I remember the, they got to the back and everybody went, Barkley, look, your office is going, it's going, it's gone. And it took forever for it to go down. And then we saw the new one being built. And that was great fun. We looked up from our little thing. We are in trailer. It was a little wet in the winter, but we were in there and we watched the new one. Now, we were not allowed to go in. It was strictly a hard hat area. So I had a kind of mistaken impression that um, the whole bottom of it was going to be the campus store, but that is not the case. <laughs> that was not the case. So I went like, oh, where's my eye? Oh, well, anyway, it was just fine. But anyway, they were, it was wonderful. And after that, we began under President Lingard's leadership and with the generous support of alumni and friends of RMC, our college campus has undergone huge transformation. It's unbelievable. Unbelievable. From from new um, residence halls to new um, academic buildings, like you know, to, and to new programs to the performing arts. Our athletic facilities are... Uh, Top notch. Have you been in the um, locker room yet? I have not. Oh, my goodness. Get me to come by and I'll get you on the bookstore, okay. our bookstore um, golf cart and take you over there. It's like D1. I mean, I've had people come in. It's quite amazing. Wow. And that's Duke Hall, named for Harold Duke of Ashland, Virginia. Um, before then, um, uh, one thing that's happened, textbooks are gone. All orders are online. We don't have textbook in the store. It was a good thing because we never knew. We, we knew kids were going to buy them from other places. We didn't want them to have to spend more money. So we have a good system where kids can order through our campus partnership with MBS and have them shipped free to them here, but they can also order wherever they want. It's not, no. Okay, COVID was a huge impact. I lost two years of students that I have no idea who they were. I used to know all of my students, and when you think that you have seen nothing, if not at all, or you've seen nothing but eyes over a mask for two years, I remember going up to a little girl and saying, are you a new freshman? And she said, Barkley, I'm a junior. And I said, I've never seen your face before. Uh, that was just, uh, you know. Bizarre. And bizarre. And everything we had to convert. I was the only one that came to work every day. <laughs> Not very smart, the old girl. Every day, and Vanessa was furloughed. The others worked half time. And um, then we would let like eight people in at a time. Or we'd pick stuff. They could look outside and we could pick something out and sell them to them. But we transitioned to a big online business. You had to if you wanted to have anything then. Okay, there's another very important thing that I need to mention, and it is, before I tell you all about all my health issues and stuff, let me see, it is... It's quite the list of health issues. All right, the health issues are good, but wait a minute. My granddaughter, Sydney. Yes. She's wonderful. She is smart, beautiful, perfect, but as Rob said, the best thing about her is she's sweet. Anyway, and she, I wish I could see her more, but she is an only child, and until she was about seven or eight, all she wanted was a little brother or sister. At age eight, she went, I love it, I love it, I love it. And she was, and she works in New York City, and she loves it. And I can't tell you that this, she said, she can't go. She said, we work hard five days a week, and we don't go play at night, but we have fun on the weekends. She said, I cannot go to 
a bar in New, in New York City where I don't meet somebody from St. Christopher's, St. Catharines, Alabama, UVA, U of R, Collegiate, um, and th- and and Virginia and Al and she went to Alabama and that she said it's just like un- maybe we just seek each other out she yeah. said but everybody acts like these Southern people are so special and we are <laughs> so anyway I don't get to see her often but when I do it's great okay now how's our time going you're good okay I think. We're just getting down to all of my problems that everybody has to deal with now. Oh, and we got time for my goofs. Are we going to do all the goofs? Oh, I, no. I tell you what, we're going to do. How te- much? What? We're going to do a teaser, Barkley. I'm going to come to you with my stuff, and we're going to do the goof stories as a separate episode. Okay. All right. All right. Do you want me to do my issues? Sure. Oh my lord, my lord! I've had skin cancer multiple times, even melanoma, but it's okay. Then I had my ankle fused wrong. That created all my problems, and they couldn't undo it. I've had two knee replacements, cataract surgery. Oh, that was one of my goofs, but anyway. I've had breast cancer with chemo and radiation, sleep apnea. Mm. Do you have a CPAP machine? I do not, not yet. Oh, okay. I've had hearing aids for the last 10 years. A cane and a handicap sticker for 15 years where everybody says, why don't we ride with Barkley and Rob? <laughs> they have the handicap sticker. Okay, and I have a pacemaker. So I just learned that. That I have a pacemaker. Yeah. So And here's my instructions. Because of my breast cancer, I can't sleep on my right side oh, because gosh. of my lymph nodes. My pacemaker, I can't sleep on my left. So I have to slip. I have to get... It's all right. I've gotten used to it because I have that CPAP thing coming out of oh my head. Oh my gosh! I would I would pay people millions if they ever blackmailed me to see a sh- shot of me at night. I would pay whatever it was to get rid of it. Okay, that is it. Now all I want to say is one more thing for this. I am so fortunate to have Rob, Rand, my sister Tati, my granddaughter Sydney, and all the folks at Randolph Macon and in Ashland to take care of this old woman. I can't begin to thank all of them enough and thank you for the opportunity to tell my story. It's time for me to make plans for retirement, but it's mighty hard to think of not being able to sit in my chair at the front of the store to greet students, convince prospective students to choose RMC, and welcome our alumni back to campus and to always brag about the center of the universe. Thank you, Paul Kilman. Thank you, Barkley. That was awesome. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to wherever you listen to podcasts. We'd also really appreciate if you'd rate and review us. You can find us at scodopodcast.com.